We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Hey, right back at it on The Fan. Keep McPherson on till 12. Joining me right now is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports, the author of Playmakers, How the NFL Really Works and Doesn't. What's up, Mike? How you doing tonight? How's it going? How are you? Great. Thanks for joining me. Big fan. Appreciate it. Good to be with you. Yeah, so now we're going into Super Wild Card Weekend. It's Black Tuesday after Black Monday. The firings are still happening. Things are changing with the NFL landscape. We're hearing rumors about the number one overall pick. Uh, here's a question for you. I, I talk about the NFL and their storylines. Uh, what's the biggest story for you right now in the NFL? Obviously, DeMar Hamlin, but... I feel like we're in a different week, and, and the DeMar Hamlin story um, was, you know, Monday to Monday. What's the biggest story for you going into the playoffs in round one? It really is tremendous, though, to think we went from last Tuesday wondering whether or not DeMar Hamlin was going to live to this Tuesday. He's in the hospital in Buffalo, transferred from Cincinnati, undergoing tests that maybe could result in him going home. Could you imagine what the scene would be at the home stadium on Sunday against the Dolphins in the first round of the playoffs, if he happens to show up and walk out onto the field, it would be unlike anything we've ever seen. What a difference a week makes. It really has been incredible. Right now, I think the biggest open question with five jobs vacant by way of terminations, will Sean McVay leave the Rams? And if so, when? And boy, it's pointing in that direction. You know, what a contrast between Sean Payton last year. He just left the Saints without any advanced deliberation or discussion or public soliloquies about should I or shouldn't I go. Sean McVay has really embraced this platform that he has via a couple of press conferences to talk openly and publicly about what he's thinking about. When you look at what he says, when you read between the lines, it's obvious he's thinking about leaving. And now came a report that assistant coaches with the team have been told they can look for work elsewhere. They're not going to be blocked. It sure feels like McVay is going. And it almost feels like to me that, He's talking about it so much, it makes it so awkward for him to come back. It makes the decision for him that he never has to really sit down and say, I'm leaving. By talking about it so much, it makes it inevitable that he won't be back. What would it be like if he tried to come back? Because now he's going to face these questions every single year as to which year is going to be his last one. Yeah, and I mean, coming off the Super Bowl, obviously the first year you have the Super Bowl hangover, but like you're saying, the feel feels like he's already one foot out the door, and we know that they uh, didn't care too much about those picks. So the future for the Rams 
could be dark in the next few years. And if he leaves, he leaves. But I, I think it's amazing how the NFL just shuffles coaches and coaches get fired. And, uh, you know, from Sean McVay to Sean Payton. Sean Payton is supposedly assembling a team. And Jim Harbaugh came out and said he's he's planning on coaching at Michigan. But I'm, I'm sure he's getting calls. And we've heard that he's talked to some teams uh, here in New York. Rob Sala, the coach of the Jets, I believe he's safe. Safe. What do you think about the job he's done? And, uh, you know, going into year three, um, is his seat going to be super hot or what? I don't know. Well, the reality is, at the end of the day, we have to anticipate the decisions made by ownership that has proven at times to be unpredictable, irrational, and flat-out dysfunctional. And one of the things that we say all the time is dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. So you have to predict how someone is going to behave when maybe you wouldn't make the same decisions that they would. And would Woody Johnson make some sort of a big change after what happened this past year where they ended up being better than anyone thought they would be, but they got off to such a great start and created a high expectation that they failed to deliver on. It makes it almost more disappointing than a lost season from the get-go to go seven and 10 with that schedule they had the first half of the season to get the wins they got. Look, I think Sala should come back, but there is something strange about the way Zach Wilson has been handled and is being handled. And I don't know what the root of that is. I really do think it's in the best interest of the organization and the player to move on. And if they're keeping him around simply because they fear what he would become elsewhere, I don't think that's a good reason to keep a player once you know a mistake has been made for whatever reason however we got here the best place to go forward is to move on even if it means the kid is going to thrive somewhere else because i feel like no matter what they do that bridge is burned that back is broken and i can't see a very fickle and very loud fan base in new york embracing zach wilson unless he comes right out of the gates next year and throws five touchdown passes again Right, the kid's got to come back and be perfect, and there's no way that he's going to just go from what we've seen these first two years to being a really good NFL quarterback next year. I think it's interesting how they've handled it from Mike White to Joe Flacco. Flacco won't be here, but uh, Mike White might be here. And uh, the more the more I think about how attached they are to Zach Wilson, how you know they said through hell or high water they're going to you know get this out of him. I, I just don't understand why you would keep Mike White around. Uh, you know, obviously the players endorsed him this season and, you know, the way Zach was treated, he was endorsed and then he was benched and then reactivated and benched again. And I, I just don't see the young man coming back from seeing fans throw his jersey on the field. But they asked him this week, you know, what are you going to do if they bring in a veteran quarterback? Like, how are you going to handle it if they sign a veteran quarterback? And he said, I'm going to make that guy's life a living hell in practice every day. And to me, I just think that's another disconnected statement. I know he's super confident, but uh, I, I didn't understand exactly what he meant by that. Well, it shows that he wants to be there. That was one of the things we didn't know when Robert Sala last week was using the Hell or High Water remark. By the way, one of the great movies of the past 10 years, one of the more underrated movies, Hell or High Water. And I love it any time I hear that phrase. But <laughs> What does Zach Wilson want to do? Well, it sounds like he wants to stay. That's good. But what if they do keep Mike White? You raise a great point. It's one thing to bring in a stranger to the organization and have an open competition. But when you've got the guy that the players already decide they prefer to Zach Wilson wearing the Mike effing White T-shirt, it's a stacked deck in favor of Mike White. I just think that if you are keeping a guy around solely because 
you don't want him to go somewhere else and play better than he played for you and make you look bad in exile, like Geno Smith. That's not a reason to keep the guy because he's not going to be any better playing for you. How are they ever going to repair this where he's better than he's been? It just sometimes gets to a point where it's broken and you got to move on. And that's where it's gotten between the Jets and Zach Wilson. And I don't see it getting any better. I don't see some vague amorphous reset button. And here's the reason why the Jets need to be concerned about this. The world has changed dramatically for college football players. Quarterbacks, star players are getting paid now. They're making money. And the time is coming, and it's going to be here sooner than later, when a quarterback who is in position to be one of the top picks taken in the draft is going to say to the team, I will not play for you. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, I have $10 million in the bank, so I don't have to play for you. I don't need your money. I don't need your contract. And if the Jets don't handle this well on the way down with Zach Wilson, that's something that a young quarterback and his agent will look at in the future when deciding whether or not to sign with the Jets if the Jets draft a guy. I mean, there's this constant effort to find a new Joe Namath that's going to get short-circuited if the next potential Joe Namath says, I got $10 million bucks and I'll sit out a year and I'll re-enter the draft and take my chances rather than go play for that dysfunctional team. Yeah, college football is crazy. I was talking to someone the other day about the transfer portal and the NIL deals. It's, it's pro. It's like I can switch teams. Like You know how like in the NBA guys will force a trade? It's like you don't even have to force a trade in college. You can just enter the portal, go somewhere else. Uh, when you talk about the NIL money, money, these guys are getting millions in NIL money, and there is going to come a time in the next like three years where a quarterback gets drafted to a team that's no good and, and says, I, I'm not playing for you. I, and we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen with, with Elway. We've seen that happen with Eli, but obviously different circumstances. Um, well, and look, the next one, at a minimum, at the latest, is going to be Eli's nephew, Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. He will pick his destination in the NFL. They will engineer it between Eli and Peyton and Grandpa Archie, between the star power and the influence the three of them have, they will handpick his first NFL team. I guarantee you that. The question is, does it happen before it with some other quarterback? And then how often does it become? That's one of the things I mentioned. I've got a chapter in Playmakers devoted to it. It's a bunch of short essays, which suits very well anyone like me who really can't pay attention to anything for very long. There are a thousand words or less, and one of them focuses on the fact that other than John Elway and Eli Manning, what really quarterback have we seen in 20 years that has taken a stand like that? It should happen more often. Players should stand up to this draft machinery that forces a player to go somewhere where maybe he doesn't want to go, play for a coach he doesn't want to play for, work for an organization he doesn't want to work for, live in a city he doesn't want to live in. And we've seen time and again quarterbacks get ruined by ending up in a bad marriage right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely, a ton. On the phone right now with Mike Florio, the author of Playmakers, How the NFL Really Works and Doesn't. You guys know him from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. Okay, so moving over from the Jets to the Giants, I just mentioned that Mike Kafka is getting interest. Um, He's interviewing or they've requested interviews uh, for the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. And uh, my last caller said, oh, don't they have to wait till after the Super Bowl? I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure once Week 18 is done and Black Monday hits, You know, these guys are actively interviewing a lot of them while they're still coaching. Dan Quinn is another one I used as an example. The defensive coordinator for the Cowboys the last two years, he's been interviewing for head coaching positions while getting ready for a playoff game. 
Yeah, that's the reality in the NFL. And there are people I've talked to that hate that rule. They think that the entire process should wait until after the Super Bowl because here's the reality. And I had one very influential person in league circles explain this to me within the past couple of years. When you have a guy who is a coordinator for one of the playoff teams and a playoff game is coming up, that is an all-encompassing endeavor. That is an every waking moment, minimal sleep, sole focus effort to do everything you can to try to digest 17 regular season games of film by the opponent, try to figure out how to get ahead of the tendencies and the tells that they show in every snap they've taken on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, study your own film, get ahead of your own tendencies, self-scout yourself, as my buddy Chris Sims would say on our morning show PFT Live on Peacock and Sirius XM 85. And while you're in a position where that should be your sole focus, you've spent a day interviewing for a job or two. You're thinking about it. And the best example that was given to me, when you come home from work after you've spent all day there trying to get ready to win this playoff game, the spouse of the coach, the question isn't going to be, hey, how is your preparation coming for goal line situations that you may encounter during this game coming up, offensive or defensive? The question is going to be, have you heard anything about that job? Yeah, of course. That's life-changing. That's more life-changing than winning the next playoff game and winning the Super Bowl. So ideally, they'll come to a point where everything is stayed until after the Super Bowl. The problem is if you wait that long, you really put these teams that are looking for new coaches in a bind. And what it may do is what the league is trying to convince teams to do, fire fewer coaches. You may be less inclined to fire a coach if you can't start looking for your next coach for a month or more after the season ends. Yeah, now speaking of winning the next playoff game and uh, thinking about that, for Coach of the Year, it's Doug Peterson and Brian Dable. I know locally here we'd all like to see Brian Dable win it, but – uh, they won't announce that until, I think, the NFL honors in February. You think it'll help uh, Doug Peterson or Brian Dable if they win a game in the playoffs, if one of them were to advance or both? Well, as one of the 50 voters for the AP Award for the first time ever, it only took me 20 years. Congrats, to congrats. Get, and I've realized <laughs> it's a complete and total pain in the ass for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's more work that I have to do, and it's unpaid work. And the worst kind of work, frankly, is unpaid work. And secondly... You get lobbied by everybody. Once they find out you've got to vote, I get emails from every team touting the virtues of the various candidates for the awards. It's amazing, this new universe of sucking up. I kind of like that part of it. But the vote is due by tomorrow at noon Eastern. So whatever happens in the playoffs doesn't matter. we got to lock in tomorrow. we got to take our hand off the checker tomorrow. And we've got our own awards at PFC that we're handing out this week. And – even though I defer to my right and the various awards as to who they ultimately choose, I've got some influence over that. So whoever we make our coach of the year coming up later this week, especially since I've gotten the assignment of writing that entry, pretty good indication of where I'm voting on the, on the coach of the year for 2022. But let's just say Brian Dayball is a very viable candidate, as is Doug Peterson. There are many. When I sat down last night to really start mapping it out and thinking about it, There are many coaches who overachieved this year, at least in relation to the expectations we had going into the season. Yeah, this was a great year. I always say the NFL is undefeated. The NFL is king. The storylines write themselves. 
and we love it and we eat it up and I can't wait for Super Wild Card Weekend. Looking at these games, I just mentioned obviously the the Chargers will face the Jaguars and the Giants will face the Vikings. I always tell folks all bets are off. So, you know, regular season, whatever you heard or whatever you're thinking, when you get into the playoffs, every year there's upsets. Anything can happen. Unfortunately, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I'm not feeling great about them going up against Tom Brady and the Bucs Monday night. Uh, What are you expecting for this first round? Are you expecting it to go chalk, or are you expecting there to be some upsets? Oh, I don't know. You know, I've done a great job picking games this year at about 65-plus percent. But in the playoffs, I don't know what to do, and I never know what to do. And I'm dreading Thursday morning when we have to finalize our picks and do our our weekly picks podcast where we pick straight up and against the spread in every game. You mentioned the Cowboys. Jason Garrett, the former Cowboys coach who's with us on Football Morning or Football Night in America now, he, he has pointed out that you get the Cowboys on grass, they're a different team. And, boy, they look sluggish against the commanders at FedEx Field on Sunday. And the thing about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, Tom Brady has 47 games of postseason experience entering this week. 47. (laughs) There's something to be said for that. There's value in that. And all of this stuff in the regular season, everything that's going on, it's all a prelude to what we're going to see on Monday night. I think the Bucs are going to win that game. Now, the rest of the games, I don't know. I can't imagine the Dolphins under any set of circumstances beating the Bills. So two out of six I feel pretty good about. The other four, I don't know. The Seahawks going to face the 49ers. You never want a team from your own division rolling into your stadium in the postseason because they're not intimidated by you. They're not afraid of you. And they will take extra glee in the knowledge that they have knocked you off and ended your potential Super Bowl run. We've seen it before. We've seen the Giants do it to the Cowboys. We've seen it happen to the Giants the following year, the year that they looked like they were wire to wire, one of the best teams in the NFL in 2008, and the Eagles knocked them off en route to ultimately losing in the AFC champ or NFC championship, excuse me, to the Cardinals. So I, 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 I worry about what's going to happen to the 49ers. This may be their most challenging game because I think they're the best team in the NFL right now, but they don't need to be playing a team in their own division. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's great to have six games. And, um, you know, it all sets the stage for what will be four great games the following weekend. Yeah, I think Bengals over Ravens is a lock with their situation at quarterback, too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the Bengals have that for a different reason than the Bills. The Bengals are chip on the shoulder, pissed off about how the hand was dealt to them in the aftermath of last Monday night's game, because we reported this over the weekend, and I got this information from multiple Bengals players. When they basically said, okay, we don't need to finish this game on Monday night after what happened to Mar Hamlin, they thought they were going to finish the game the next day. And they were surprised when they found out the Bills had left town. And then the way everything was handled with AFC championship neutral site, calculations and formulas, the coin flip, that weird nonsensical idea that if the Ravens had beaten the Bengals on Sunday, it would have been a coin flip to determine home field <laughs> advantage for the wild card round, even though the Bengals are the NFC, AFC North excuse me, champions. The Bengals just have a chip on their shoulder about that, and I think that game is going to be ugly no matter who plays quarterback, even if Lamar Jackson finds a way to play, which I at this point would be highly surprised if that happens. Yeah, I don't expect him to play, and I don't expect Tyler Huntley to lead them to victory, and I'm excited for this round, this first wild card round. Mike, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Mets have acquired Mike Piazza from the Florida Marlins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Keith McPherson on the fan, checking right back in. How's it going? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing all right. Shout out to Mike Florio. Paulie and I were just talking about how great he is. Paulie was able to book him for me, and, uh, you know, I'm glad I asked him a couple questions. I asked him. We got some insight from him. Like, I didn't know that he had a vote on Coach of the Year, and that ends tomorrow. I didn't know uh, how the Bengals felt about the situation. And, you know, I was the first host on air Monday night, uh, at 10.30 after that Monday night football game got postponed at 10.01. And I was kind of, you know, thrown into action. And, uh, you know, I think I said something along the lines of like, wait, um, why are they going home? I think we found out that night that the Bills were getting on the plane and flying home. I was on till 2 a.m. And I was just under the impression with obviously no information, no intel, that they would, you know, resume the game the next day. Right, let you know, let everybody sleep it off and resume the game the next day. And Mike shared with us that that's what the Bengals wanted to do, but that's not that's not something that they put out there uh, last week. Obviously, with Demar Hamlin's situation and him being in critical condition, but you find that out later that like, yeah, the the Bengals. Um, and I remember coming on the night that we were trying to figure out, you know, everything from the different scenarios and the coin flip, and you know, seeing reaction online. I said the Bengals fans, I think, were the most upset. The Bengals had the game. They were up 7-3 hosting the game. They could have won that game, and they would have went on to 12-4. and They would have knocked the Buffalo Bills down to 12-4, and I believe. And, yeah, that just didn't happen. What a, what a crazy uh, end to the NFL season this past week. And here we go, Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, I'm, I can't wait for it. Like, I, I love the NFL. Um, I usually don't make picks, like, week one through 18 I definitely haven't done that on the fan but I I I'd usually do try and throw out 
some picks for the playoffs. It's less teams. I think it's easier to pick, but it's not. All bets are off. There's going to be an upset. And uh, you heard Mike. <sighs> he believes that the Bucks are going to beat the Cowboys. And it's not that, you know, <laughs> they shouldn't, right? The Cowboys should beat the Bucks. But there's so many little things. He cited the fact that the Cowboys have lost games on grass. Their last, like, couple games on grass. Their last road games. And we mentioned that last night. And then I saw today uh, that the Cowboys are going to wear their blue jerseys down there in Tampa. I'm like, oh, they're cooked. They they don't have a good record in those jerseys. Like, they need to, you know, have everything going right for them to possibly win. If something is going a little bit wrong, like, I don't know, only being able to put up six points against the Washington Commanders in Week 18, hmm, that's not the uh, greatest momentum to roll into the playoffs with. I feel like... Like, this this is the NFL. The narrative is already there. It's playing right into Tom Brady's hands. He's 7-0 and against the Dallas Cowboys. Home playoff game where they won the Super Bowl at. Anything can happen in that game. You heard Mike say he's got 47 um, playoff games under his belt. That's probably more than, than the whole Cowboys roster combined. And it's Tom. You've seen this. <laughs> like, we all have seen this too much. I would not be surprised if that's a close game. And there's some penalties and some turnovers that go against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys, after going uh, back-to-back seasons winning 12 games, lose to Tom Brady. And you know another thing I'll add before we go back to the calls? I definitely want to talk football with you guys. Uh, I've learned over the years, do not bet against Tom Brady. In Super Bowls, in the playoffs, there's there's so many times that I thought, old man is done, they're going to knock him off. Bet against them, and you lose that money. I, I, I got to bet Tom Brady this week. I, I won't put a dollar on the on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's the team I grew up rooting for. Yeah, that's my favorite NFL team. But like, that's the thing. I've watched them. I don't believe in them. And shout out to my guy Milton, who was trying to get at uh, Geo and I, and putting me and uh, Greg together, because Greg was talking about the Vikings, him being a Viking fan, and. Him seeing, like, the writing on the wall for the Giants to go and beat them in Minnesota. And he's saying, he's like, it's what I believe. Like, this is what we believe as fans. We are not the delusional fans. We are not the blind fans that just, yeah, here we go, playoffs, we're going to win. Neither one of us are confident in our teams. And I don't think it's because we've been bullied by any host or, uh, trust me, Spike Eskin is not calling us up saying, hey, guys, don't talk about the teams that you grew up rooting for. Like, we just know our teams are fraudulent. The Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys are the two most fraudulent teams in the NFC um, outside of the the Buccaneers, which I, you can't even call the Buccaneers fraudulent. They won eight games. They're not good. But since their division was trashed, they're, they're in. When you look at the rest of these teams, right, like the Bengals should beat the Ravens. The Bills should beat the Dolphins. The 49ers should beat the Seahawks. Chargers-Jags. I think is a little bit of a toss-up. Giants, Vikings, a little bit of a toss-up. Bucks, Cowboys, a little or Cowboys, Bucks, a little bit of a toss-up. The Cowboys just always need perfect conditions. They need to be on turf. They need to be in a dome. They need everything to go right. Speaking of things going right, the Rangers just tied it up. That dreaded 2-0 hole. They they went down 2-0, but they answered right back. Hold on, this looks like something familiar. I've seen. Oh no, it was the opposite way. The the Devils were down. And the Devils came back. So looking at the NHL scoreboard, uh, they're rocking in Madison Square Garden. I'm not able to watch the Devils in here. Um, It was 1-1, and they're on, like, ESPN+. I'm never paying for ESPN+. Sorry, ESPN, just 
you know, Peyton's places is not doing it for me. But uh, here's the scores from our, our local teams. The Islanders are tied 1-1 with the Stars over at UBS. The Devils are down now 2-1 to uh, to the Hurricanes. And the Rangers just tied it up 2-2. So let's go. Uh, no hoops on tonight. Let's get back to the phones, back to the calls. Today we learned that Carlos Correa is signing with the Minnesota Twins. He will not be a New York Met. And I think that was the right move from Steve Cohen. And I think a lesson learned for, for Steve Cohen. You may want a player based off of what you saw on the field. You may want a player based off your own plans and your own lineup and what you want to happen for your team and for the fans. Right? You may have an idea in your head that this guy puts you over the top. But how far are you willing to go? Money may be no object, but this is a bad investment. You're a smart businessman. You don't make bad investments. You don't keep your money and make more money by making bad investments. And I think he's smart enough to listen to people around him. I think he's smart enough to take advice from people that know more than him in other fields. And they pass on the deal. What I don't know is exactly how it played out. None of us know, right? Uh, All we know is in the last two days, we heard that talks were heating up with another team. And then the Twins were the team named. And that's where he played last season. That's the team that signed him last offseason. So he's going back to where he already was. The Twins finalized a six-year, $200 million deal with him today. And I feel like the last offer I saw from the Mets was like 157. So I don't know if... uh, I think I would assume if four weeks had gone by, the first couple weeks, right, they... They did the they did the physical. They took that 315 off the board. And we've been saying it on the fan for a while. That 315's not happen, happening. But where are they going to meet in the middle? I put out there, I think five years is the, the most you can go with this guy. He's 28. I think you give him five years with some options and some clauses and some different things. But we all know that Boris, used car salesman, he's trying to get his money. We all know that Carlos Correa, in back-to-back off-seasons, He's looking for $300 million. He's looking to be a $300 million player. Well, he's not that. And uh, his body and his ankle and his back and all of these things compounded, he's not getting that $300 million deal in Major League Baseball. But $200 million isn't bad. What I'd like to know is if anyone knows, where did this go south? Where did this go left in the last you know week or two with Christmas and New Year's Eve and then 10 days into the new year, here we are. Uh, I don't have the information on... You know, where did the conversation stop? Where did, uh, you know, one side not hear back from the other? I saw Mets fans online today talking about, did Carlos Correa give the Mets the chance to match the offer? I don't think it was that kind of situation. I think it was a kind of situation where the Mets were just like, we're, we're good. We're done. We, we tried to negotiate. We tried to go back and forth for a few weeks. Week three hit. Now we're approaching week four. We're not going to keep doing this. Here's our final offer. And I think the final offer was like 157. He got a better offer from Minnesota where he already was. He went back to them. So good for them and Byron Buxton and Gio Urshela and, uh, you know, whatever they do in, in the Central. Keith McPherson on the fan. The number to dial is 877-337-6666. Let's get back to your calls right now. Bobby is on Long Island. Bobby, you're on the fan. Hi. Uh, I think uh, Buffalo really made out because – if they would have lost for Cincinnati, they would have had to play two games in a road. Now they don't have to play any games in a road. So I yeah. think Buffalo's what are really made out. Crazy uh, how, and, and not to cut you off, but crazy how yeah. the whole thing played out. Like, you know, they lose a starter 
who was one of the leading tacklers on their team, that's a hit. But, like, now this whole thing is um, – it's fuel for them. Now this whole thing is driving them, right? Now they have, uh, you know, this young man's story motivating them to go win – and the way that the NFL made their decisions, it, it kind of works in their favor. They didn't get the number one seed. Like, Bills Mafia was sure that the Bills were going to get the number yeah, one seed they, and get they, to they host. Have a buy anyway. They have a buy anyway against Miami. I mean, the extra play in the extra doesn't even hurt them unless they have injuries in that game. Yeah, yeah, no, so that, they, should be, they, that they game should be hurt. over quickly. I don't think the Dolphins I – don't, I don't know if they're going to have Tua. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he's gonna play anyway. But uh, also, uh, just one quick thing before I get to Correa. I know I know I'm shooting short for time. Uh, I talked to you about a month ago. You said uh, it was all Wilson's loss. Lafleur had nothing to do. You know, Lafleur should be blamed. Not scoring a touchdown the last three games has that changed your mind? Wait, say that again. Did I I, I said I, that I it wasn't you, on the I, floor? Well, you said mostly was on Wilson. That you know that really Lafleur should take so much blame for it. But I don't. know. It depends. I, I think my opinion definitely evolved on the offensive coordinator, especially after I saw, you know, like they had a package for Chris Strebler to move the ball down the field. Um, I forget. I know there was definitely one night where I really combed through yeah, Lafleur's back background, and I'm like. This guy, like, I don't know if anybody else would have hired him in the NFL to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I know, passing corner. Now, Correa, uh, I don't understand. Uh, six years, 180, that doesn't get it done. I mean, you know, I don't understand why the Mets, you know, didn't go after him. That was a, that's a good deal, six-year deal. But, you, know, you, know what we, guy, I, you know what we've been saying, Bobby? Both sides want each other. That's the thing we've been saying for weeks. Both sides want each other. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So where did where did it break? Where did that fracture where both sides I mean, didn't want each other. Uh, maybe Boris got on his nerves. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably what it is. I think Boris can be Boris. And after I a mean, while, it's like, all right, bro, like, goodbye. <laughs> you're trying yeah, You're yeah. trying to literally push a player on us that all of our doctors are saying, this guy is not going to be holding up in five, six years. You can't go 12 years. But Boris is saying he's perfectly fine. He but, played. He, he's played with it since the beginning of his career. Well, it's not the beginning of his career anymore. Well, he took six years from Minnesota, so I understand why the Mets, you know, why couldn't the Mets get to see him for six years? We're going to find out. Today is the first day, but I think we'll find out by the end of the week. Somebody's going to do an interview, or somebody's going to tell a little birdie and leak some information, because that's what I I didn't catch today. As I was looking at all these reactions and uh, all this conversation around it, I'm like, okay, but where was the disconnect? Because for about three weeks, we all kept saying, he's a Met, he's a Met. He wants to be in New York. And this guy has been thirsty to play in New York for years now. We could we can go back to his Twitter, Instagram. He's been trying to get out of Houston. They didn't want him. Uh, San Francisco wanted him until they didn't. Why? I, I just don't understand why they didn't find some type of middle ground to make this happen. And I think it was egos. I think somebody's, you know, uh, yes. somebody's feelings either got hurt or somebody was agitated, yep. frustrated, and then they just stopped talking. And, you know, he hasn't hurt his ankle since 2014, since the surgery. So it's not like, you know, it's been, you know, they're talking about arthritis. I mean, I mean, I can understand it beyond 35, but the deal runs to like 34, 35. I mean, I mean, I extremely doubt, I mean, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but the arthritis issue, I mean, I mean, I can't see that happening in three, four years from now. I mean, the guy, the guy has, hasn't been hurt. I know he's had back issues. So maybe that has something to do with it, but that wasn't why he didn't pass the physical. Yeah, there's, I mean, more, the, there's, the more to, there's more to the story that was, we don't know. Op, 
there was an opt-out for 500 a bat for the last four years. If he doesn't do 500 a bat, then the deal is voided. So that's yeah. a great deal. I don't understand why the Mets didn't, get, didn't take that deal. Because 500 a bat is a full, it's just like a full year, 135 games, I, which he's played 140 games. I'm going to assume that, that. It, it, it just got too far gone where – who knows what was said or what was done? Maybe someone was offended. Where they're like, "Okay, well, we don't want you over here now," and um, and that's it. Thanks for the call, Bobby. There's a video that has floated around um, Twitter where you see Carlos Correa sliding into second base. They're playing against the Rangers. I think that was in September, and you see Correa kind of lay out, and I, you know, I think that's where the plate moved. I remember hearing something else about that, but. You know, we don't, we're, as fans, we're not privy to all the information. As fans, we speculate, we talk, and I mean, that's what we're going to do on the radio. So all this stuff is good for sports talk radio. It drives the conversation. We don't know, but I think we'll find out in the next couple of days what happened between Scott Boris, Carlos Correa, and Billy Epler, Steve Cohen, that he was a Met for three weeks, and then in the last week, he wasn't a Met anymore, and he's going back to Minnesota. Keith McPherson on the fan. Call me up, 877-337-6666. I'll be back after this. Go for it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Saga. <laughs> the nightmare ends. The nightmare is over. Three weeks going on four weeks. We're all talking about it on the fan every day. Carlos Correa watch. Is he going to sign? Is he going to sign? Well, nah, he didn't. And I, I have a, a strange feeling that this is just some karma for this guy. You know, if you've ever listened to me before I was on WFAN or when I'm on WFAN, I I never liked the guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's a good person, right? I hear he's a good person. But I never liked his bravado. I never liked his swag, his energy. And then also he is a cheater. He was the the face of the Astros cheating scandal. Better yet, the mouth, right? Like, you guys don't remember when he cut that wrestling promo with... Ken Rosenthal, and he looked at the camera, and he's like, if you don't have all the facts, you need to shut the F up. It's like, whoa, there are kids watching MOB Network. Carlos, you don't have all the facts. You're literally lying. You're lying. And uh, this is a guy who won a World Series with the Astros uh, the year they cheated. He wasn't with them last year when we assume that they did it the clean, you know, regular way. Um <laughs> He's also a guy that uh, the Astros, they, they they knew they had Jeremy Pena. They're like, you can go. Maybe they knew something about his medicals, but uh, they didn't offer him too much. I want to say their original offer for him was around $160 million. And maybe it was over like eight years. I, don't, I forget. But they didn't offer him that much where he felt disrespected. He ends up signing with the Twins. I feel like the Yankees assisted that. Obviously, they took the money of Josh Donaldson off the board. And uh, then you go into this year. And he opts out, and we think he's going to be a San Francisco Giant. $350 million. Nope. Then the Mets swoop in. $315 million. Nope. And Paulie and I were just talking, and I think what it was, I think Heyman reported on it that, uh, you know, the Mets had 
some things, some clauses, some things that he'd have to meet in his contract. And then there also was more guaranteed money with Minnesota. So I think that's what it was, right? I think the the Mets just kind of put out their final offer. I got to read this article that he put out an hour ago. Um, But I think the Mets just put out their final offer, which was around 157. And there was so many clauses and things in the contract and not as much guaranteed money that when he went back to Minnesota, of course, Minnesota's super thirsty. They're not spending that much money. Um, they gave him the, they gave him the money that he was looking for in this offseason. He wasn't going to get any more than that being damaged goods. Now, Heyman also put out that he has uh, in this contract with the Twins an $8 million signing bonus, and he will make $32 million this year, $32 million the next. In 2025, he'll make $36 million. In 2026, he'll make thirty-one point five. In 2027, he'll make 30.5. In 2028, he'll make 30 million. So obviously, we know Moneybag Co. could afford him. But obviously, we know that they weren't willing to just throw the money. Like, you know, a lot of fans said, oh, I don't care. It's not my money. Sign the guy, spend it. And they're like, eh, yes and no. What, what is Steve Cohen up at? Like, uh, what's their payroll at? Like 380 million or something like that? Yeah, Heyman had all the info. Correa's conditional salaries from years 7 through 10 in the Twins deal. That's where you, you got to figure it out. The Mets are willing to guarantee, to fully guarantee six years at 157.5, but the final six would have been only conditionally guaranteed. So Correa will make $42.5 million more in the first year, six years with the Twins. So that's where it is. It isn't a matter of, oh, you know, Correa going back to the Mets to match that offer. The Mets were not going to do that. They got the final offer, in my opinion, from the Mets, and they went back to the Twins and said, can you beat this? Can you do better? And of course, Minnesota, nice. <laughs> Minnesota, what, what pals? The, the Minnesota Twins are the Yankees' pals. They're always doing the Yankees' solids. They're, they're always there for the Yankees. They just love to cooperate. They lay down in the postseason, in the regular season, and they make sure Carlos Correa is not a resident of New York for the next six years. So, cool. Let's keep talking about it. 877-337-6666. Keep McPherson on the fan. Call me up. Kevin's on Long Island. You got it, Kevin. Go for it. Hey, how are you, Keith? I'm great, man. Uh, Thanks for calling. I just got a couple of things about your Mets uh, tirade at the beginning of the show. My okay. tirade? I, I got, well, I got, whatever you want to call I got it, way you know. more. The tirade will come once we get in the season. No, Subway series. Well, first of all, your remarks, the Mets should slow their roll. They haven't won anything. The Big facts. Remark, the, Fact, though. Hold on. Hold on. All I've heard since the very first day that you went on this show is the Nets. This is the year. We got the team. Da, 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 wait, da, wait, wait, we're switching da, sports? Is that whataboutism? What about the Nets? We're talking about basketball or are we talking about Yankees no, and, and I'm gonna Mets? No, I'm going to baseball. And I'll get to baseball in a second. It's, it's just what's go, how you guys come off Yankee fans. Your exact words to Mets fans always, don't worry about Big Brother. Worry about what you're doing. Well, you Yankee fans are so joyous. It's, it's pathetic. It's like you're six years old. Number two, you talk you about You didn't free make agents a point. Coming. Hold on. <laughs> you talk about free agents coming up. If Joe was going to go anyway, he wouldn't went to the Yankees. Who said that? Know, three, years, three years ago, Joe just turned the Yankees down. Why did he come to the Mets? He got more money. This is not about winning to these guys. It's about the money. Whoever has the most money, that's where they're going to. Did you mean Verlander? Sure, thanks. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Let me let me try. And, I don't know what Kevin was on. Like <laughs> he didn't really make any points, bro. 
and you can't bring in the Brooklyn Nets. That's a complete different fandom, and a lot of Mets fans are Brooklyn Nets fans. But if we're talking about Scherzer and Verlander, myself as a Yankees fan, I knew neither one of them would ever pitch for the Yankees. We can go back to the years that they were available. They were never coming here. And that's why I gave credit to Steve Cohen as being a salesman. His pitch, on top of the money, is what got Max Scherzer and Verlander to come here the last two years. Physically to New York. But on the other side, the Mets side, not the Yankee side. You can have them. I would not want to be paying them that much money for two years and be all in on winning a World Series. First year with Verlander, how'd that go in the postseason? Please go Google or YouTube Justin Verlander's start against the Padres. Keep McPherson on the fan. I'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.